You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! Hello. Mike and Kristen. I thought I wanted to do a harmony. Oh. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Pretty good, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That works. Once we get the saxophone going, I'll be better at harmonizing things. Yeah. What did you explain? What term did you explain to me this morning? Transposing. It's a transposing instrument, which I still don't know that I fully understand what that means. But it's... So I watched a beginner saxophone YouTube video and it explained that if you play, for example, a middle D, it won't sound like the middle D found on other instruments, which you and I discovered like, wait a minute, this doesn't sound right. But apparently that's supposed to be the case. I don't know anything about saxophone. Me I know either. I know what transposing means. I have means, one though. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, well... While I go to Cape Breton for a week, you're going to learn how to play do 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 right? Do, 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 do. Can anybody think of even the word saxophone without thinking of Kenny G? I don't think it's possible. Yeah. But my goal for when you get back is to be able to play a song. It's likely going to be Three Blind Mice. You already played that, didn't you? Well, that's I'm just going to perfect Three Blind Mice for you. <laughs> <I'd> <laughs> what like a to, gift, huh? Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Lucky guy here. What are you going to learn from me? I'll, uh, I'll write you a concept album. Okay. Fair trade. Yeah. <gasps> so what's going on? It's been a... We had a great weekend after the studio tour from the Peggy's Cove Festival of the Arts. Our guest last week, Sarah Irwin, participated in that. And yeah, we that had, was fun. Gosh, maybe 100 or so people come through the gallery. And uh, we've just been keeping up with the weekly pods. We're on episode 70 this week. Yeah. And our guest, Alicia Sims, is someone who I've followed on social media for a long time. Yeah. I've just been kind of enamored with her so i reached out and asked if she would be willing to come hang out with us and she said yes she's very cool she's got a tv show she's a tattoo artist that was kind of her first uh creative endeavor i guess Mm -hmm. Uh, and it it led into a million things her just following her passions has led her to find all these career opportunities she's such an amazing example of taking advantage of this advice that we're given about just do what you love and it will kind of fall into place. And I, she's worked so hard. I don't want to say things just fell into place for her, but she's somebody who really knows herself and pursued things that she enjoyed in life. And they organically turned into these different career opportunities or ways of supporting herself. So I was just even more taken by her, uh, knowing more of her story and how she got where she is. Yeah, she's doing a lot of awesome things, and she lives in a Airstream trailer right now. Yeah, like uh, that's pretty cool. She's um, yeah, just just inspiring to chat with, just because she's doing so many things and figuring out a way to balance them and and do these things with her partner too. 
That's right. Yeah, she's she talks about how different her and her partner are as well, which kind of struck me funny. Their, yeah. their banter on TV was part of the draw to having them be the couple. <laughs> it was how different that they were yeah. and communicated. But she's just such a genuine person. I found her to be very honest and authentic and easy to spend time with. And I certainly want to do more of that. And now everybody here gets to spend time with her too. Yeah. The next, I don't know exactly how many minutes, I was going to say uh, 76 minutes you can spend with Alicia, us and Alicia, in Hot Jupiter Sound Studio recording a podcast. Here we go, folks. sound quality now i know why your sound quality is always so good <laughs> he is a sad. sound engineer it's, uh, it's true my my recording studio that uh, they just happen to be able to convert into a podcast studio so <laughs> that is convenient. Does the job yeah yeah are you I able like to it. turn your neck now? oh yeah like yeah, do you have increased so mobility better. yeah it's so i had a layer of several things happen that made it to the point where it was like i'm gonna die <laughs> and he asked me he actually thought it was like these are like whiplash symptoms and i'm like well i definitely didn't do that but i I did something and then something else and then something else. And they all just compounded together. I traveled last week, too, and I don't usually wear a backpack because it hurts my shoulders, which hurts my neck. But the goddamn airlines, I can't take a carry on unless I paid extra for it. So I had to take a backpack because it was like, well, either I bring a big purse that hangs off one shoulder or I try and distribute the weight. Because I'm not paying for an additional carry-on at that price. I'm not doing it. Yeah. But instead of paying the airline, I'm just paying medical professionals to fix <laughs> the damage. So still whatever the money goes. <laughs> so I have a massage question for you guys. Oh, God. Do you, is your preference, so it feels so good when you have something wrong, like a kink in the neck, and you go and they work it out because you get this relief. Is that the preferred experience versus going and nothing is wrong and you get to just enjoy? Do, do you go when nothing is wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's always something yeah, wrong. Yeah. Like Maybe it doesn't exist. Inevitable. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like right now I have a, I put out my back last week. So that's a, that's a thing. <laughs> We're and all very stiff and still looking uh, at oh, each other. Yeah, I don't think I ever went for a massage. Like, oh, this is just going to be nice and relaxing. It's like, oh, I can't walk. My leg is screwed or yeah, yeah. I can't turn my head. Or, Same. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure there are people who go for <laughs> relaxing massages. Yeah, no, I go because I have an issue, usually several issues. I can't even get an hour massage. It's not enough time. It has to be a minimum of two hours to yeah. three hours, which wow. is garbage. Wow. Three hours? Who is your RMT and what is their I have contact a team information? <laughs> I, I see. I have to all. This is so ridiculous. I have to alternate between two massage. I don't have to. I shouldn't say. I'm doing it as a courtesy to them yeah. because my <laughs> sessions are so long. And the worst part is like I, I haven't ever had one like trauma that happened and caused it. it hasn't from an accident. The best that we can figure is that in when I was 23, I started having chronic pain, and. They the first few people I started saying were like, no, it's it's chronic pain. You're always going to feel this way. And I was like, that is bullshit. I am too Mm. young for this. So then as I kept seeing other people, everyone kept asking me, have you had a blunt force trauma? And I'm like, no, I definitely haven't. I don't know why. So finally, when I moved here, which was nine years ago, actually last week, and I started seeing people here and they asked me the same questions. I was like, "Okay, clearly 
something happened I'm not thinking of that caused issues that have just stayed with me. And the best that we can figure is that I did have two falls when I was young, like um, probably somewhere between five and ten, where one, my sister's friend dropped me on my head, just fooling around. And then at a park, I jumped to swing on one of those things you grab and it swings across and I lost my grip and fell on my head. So I must have damaged my neck, but it never presented as something that we had to go get fixed. But then as I grew and developed, it never developed properly. And now I have all these issues with the vertebrae in my neck that have now trickled down to like my shoulders, my spine, my neck, my uh, hips and all that stuff. So it does just travel right through the whole it body too. totally does. And yeah. how many times as a kid are you told when you get older, your back's going to, and yeah. you don't care. I know. And I'm trying, I have nieces now who are um, 15 and 13. I'm like, stop doing that. Don't do that. And like, you're trying so hard to get them to not repeat the yeah. stuff that I'm going through now. Like, oh, it's so terrible. There's so many things that happen as a kid, whether physically or emotionally, <laughs> that yeah. mess you up for life. Like, yeah. Your parents don't take you for ice cream once, then you're freaking scared of <laughs> We're destined whatever. for trauma no matter what. Eh? Yeah, and yeah, you fall a little awkwardly when you're a kid, and then your neck's screwed for oh life. Oh my God, yeah. Life is tough, eh? It's not great. It's, it's not you, great. How do you deal with it? <clears throat> uh, well, <laughs> Three-hour three massages yeah. are a good start. Yeah. Alternate between massage. I've gone for everything. I just recently tried prolotherapy, which was uh, something from a naturopath where they actually inject this like protein saline serum right into like from the base of my neck down my sides of my neck into my shoulders trying to. The idea is that it agitates the muscle into naturally healing so that it's like. I mean, that's what I took from it anyway. It was incredibly painful. And it was pretty good for a couple of months. I noticed, like, I would bounce back quicker when I had things flare up or a hard day. But now, whatever I've done this time, I don't know. But, yeah, it sucks. There's there's lots of things available now for uh, rich people. But, uh, like, stem (laughs) stem cell stuff and apparently are really good. Like, you have a, whatever, bad knee, bad elbow, you get an injection, yeah. six months later, you're back to brand new. But oh, I would love that to be true, because, I mean, I, I'm very lucky that I have a great chiropractor, I have a great mm. massage therapist, two of them. Um, But, I mean, it's still, like, so much. Like, I've been set back four weeks from this trying to get it. And, I mean, you can't just stop living. Like, I went to a convention, I'm still working, you know, those yeah. things, so. And you mean, have a... You have a lot of different things on the go. <laughs> I'm winding down. I am actually winding down. Yeah. What? Yeah. So what brought you to Nova Scotia nine years ago? My sister married a man from Truro. Okay. And when they were living in Calgary at the time, and uh, when they had their first kid, they're like, okay, we are way too far from our support networks. We have to move closer. So they applied for jobs in Nova Scotia and Newfoundland and got better opportunities in Nova Scotia. So here they came. And I had done a lot of work in Nova Scotia um, through tattooing, either guest spots or the conventions that were here. And then every time I kept visiting her in Truro, I I just really liked the area. It was like, oh, it's, you know, it's not far from the city. It's affordable to live. It's got like the basic necessities. And I'm from Newfoundland originally. Have you been to Newfoundland? Yes. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have toured there. I've been there for ECMAs once. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's great. But it's hard to get on and off of that province on a regular. And I really wanted to travel. I wanted to do more guest spots. I wanted to go out and see the world. And it's just like really difficult to do from there. It's more expensive. Flights are always canceled because it's foggy. It's windy. It's a day that ends with Y. 
So hmm. <laughs> I wanted to get out of there because I wanted to be connected to the rest of the countries. So like in St. John's, you can drive for 13 hours and you're in Port of Bass. Yeah. Here, you can drive for 13 hours. I'm in Montreal. Like yeah. You can go to PEI for the weekend. You go visit New Brunswick for a day. So, yeah, the, the whole interprovincial, the rest of the country is what really brought me to Nova Scotia. And it, it's close enough to go home. Were you doing tattooing in Newfoundland and mm-hmm. transferred that business here? Yeah. So I worked for someone else there. I started tattooing in, I think, 2014. So I'd been tattooing for about seven years when I decided to make the move up to Nova Scotia and work for myself. I was really nervous because well, I'd never worked for myself and I was kind of under the impression I wasn't smart enough to be a business owner. And... um Yeah, I decided, though, because I wanted to travel so much, I didn't want to get I didn't want to do that to someone else. Be like, I'm going to be gone once a month to do this. But, yeah, please employ me for while I'm here. So I decided to open up my own private studio. And that's what I did in 2014 uh, in downtown Truro. How did uh, tattooing initially come into your life? Were you uh, a creative kid other than getting dropped in your head twice (laughs) growing up? Uh, That's (laughs) maybe her answer as to why she got into it. Yeah. I was always artistic. Um, I have no musical talent and I'm not athletic. So thank God I have that. I, my parents saw that and they were really good with putting me in classes and extra things outside of school that were like artistic. There was this really great artist in St. John's named Don Short. And I did so many of his, I can't remember if they were like weekend classes or summer classes, but he was hugely inspirational uh, to me growing up doing all kinds of different projects. So I always did well with that in school. And then as I hit high school, my mother had said, you know, you should look into graphic design. I think that would be a good career for you. And it was Mm. like, I looked into it and I was like, I think you're right. And so I literally went right to that. I applied for um, Nova Scotia College of Art and Design and I got in and I came up here to do those four years. And I thought I started getting interested in tattooing in like high school when, you know, high school kids do and the magazines are coming out and I started drawing like tribal things and all the whatever else was hot in the late 90s. And I was I thought I was like, I want to be a tattoo artist, but I never thought it would happen. So I went and did my graphic design degree. And then I moved back home after that uh, from NASCAD. And I actually uh, met the guy that I apprenticed for there. He was really good friends with my partner at the time. And I was like, I want a tattoo. And he was like, sure you do. You know, simmer down over there. He already had an apprentice and kind of thing. But then I literally spent the next two years just showing him more artwork, showing him, taking his advice. I mean, like, when are you ready? I want to do this. And so I just kept doing my graphic design jobs, everything. I used to make art glass for a while um, and do design there. And then one day he finally called and was like, all right, if you want it, it's yours. And it took me two years of constant work to get that apprenticeship. And then away I went. Stick to itiveness, you know? You know? Yeah. You just didn't give up. It's funny because you get so many people reach out or like, I really want to be an apprentice. I want a tattoo. I tell every one of them no, because I don't actually have time to take anyone on or the space. But I say, I will happily sit down with you and help you with your portfolio or give you some tips or anything like that. Only one person in all of those years, in the nine years I've been here, has ever come in and talked to me. Only Hmm. one. Like, people don't realize that you, do you know how many people that you can get approached by? Like, None of them are serious if you don't ever hear from them again. And I've had people that tell me, it's like, I'm trying to get an apprenticeship in this, like people I know in other provinces. Like, I can't, can I just order my own stuff? And I was like, keep going back. If it's someone you really want to learn, like commit to it. Don't just show up once and then never go back again. So, And is that the only or traditional way of learning? It's the traditional one for sure. I mean, in the 
in the years since there have been those like reality TV shows and stuff, like there have been tattoo schools that pop up. I know nothing about them, but yeah, I really can't speak to like it's worth it. It's not worth it. The only way I know is kind of similar with an any kind of trade apprenticeship. Like if you find someone that you want to learn from, go to them. It's great if you can be in a busy shop because you learn from other people and their styles, different working habits and things like that. Like I worked at a shop that had five different tattooers and they were all really generous. I'm really lucky with my apprenticeship. I've heard horror stories from people, but I was never treated unfairly for either being a woman or being an apprentice. Um, I never had to scrub toilets. Like, yeah, I had cleaning duties and stuff like that, but I was never felt mistreated or, you know, abused in any way. So like I had a great apprenticeship now, lots of people that have, but generally that is the way you want to go about it. Learning from someone who's in the field and not just anyone who will take you, like look for someone who's doing what you want to do. Yeah. The style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People make the mistake of thinking, well, you're a great tattooer said so-and-so, so you can clearly do anything. It's like, you know, not, I can't do graffiti. It's just not my style, but lots of graffiti artists don't do portraits. It's really. Yeah. I remember a radio show host once had interviewed Mike and I, and he was doing a bit of an intro after the fact. And his intro was, she can paint anything. She can do this. She can do that. And I'm there like, I absolutely cannot do that. (laughs) Making the cut, cut, cut. Yeah, yeah. This is false information. I cannot paint anything. But it was quite flattering. So nobody reached out to get their portrait done, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Are people that way with music as well? Like they assume if you play one genre, you can play anything? Uh, It's more songs. Like, we'll be up playing a very obvious original music we wrote, and someone will just not be able to read the scenario and say, hey, can you play this song, Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy? <laughs> like, what about this scenario makes you think that that's going to happen? Like, it's just, that doesn't usually, at this point in our career, though, like, we're people are paying, whatever, 30 bucks to come see us, so it's not really... People who are at our show know what we're doing. Yeah. But uh, for a long time, it's just like, can you play this song? And like, well, first of all, it's a horrible song. (laughs) Let me just get existential with you for (laughs) a minute here, Bud, on your music choices. (laughs) And even like like a band I might love, like I I don't learn that many covers. Like I'll be able to throw in a dozen into an acoustic set or whatever, but... Like someone might come and request play Bob Dylan song, and like I know a million partial Bob Dylan songs, but I don't have any memorized, and I'm I could never put the iPad in front of me, like to remember the lyrics. Like just I don't know. Some oh, people don't lot. mind doing that, but for me, I could I just couldn't do it. I get but, it. Very uh, karaoke style. Yeah, and that, that's fine. Like any pub you go to on a random night, someone's going to be there with an iPad, and that's just fine. But uh, for for me, I just that's not something I would want to do. I feel like I have to have it memorized and know it inside and out mm-hmm. and portray my version of that to the the larger masses. But, <laughs> but yeah, everyone has a different approach. But to your question, um, yeah, it's a lot of just, can you play this song? Or And it just never fits the vibe of what's actually happening. Read the room! <laughs> yeah, technically, yes, I could play that song, but I don't want to, and... You can't have an endless supply of songs, I guess. That's so funny. And it's funny you say that because I took my one and only apprentice um, two years and change ago, I guess. And the the reason I took her is because she had such an extensive art background. I knew that it was, <laughs> sounds terrible, like going to be a low commitment on my level because mm-hmm. all I had to do really was teach her how to convert from canvas to skin 
and like the the nuances of tattooing and layering and things like that. And uh, I don't know how with the circumstances have changed so much since I've been tattooing with what people were getting then versus what they're getting now. So a part of me has this like bone of contention that she's never had to do live, love, laugh. She doesn't have to do like birds breaking out of feathers or dream gangsters <laughs> or things. And I'm, I'm sorry if I'm insulting anyone that has this tattoos because it's not it's not the subject matter. It's just when you do anything over and over and over again. Yeah. Like when I first started tattooing, I was doing I was just coming out of Chinese characters going into the live, love, <laughs> laugh era. I never had to do Looney Tunes. Yeah. I think I did maybe one barbed wire band. So did you go through the lower back? craze yeah done lots of those now i'm doing all the cover-ups of like those kind yeah. of things uh, but yes. because of where she started tattooing and i guess where we are just in the what's popular thing she's doing all the stuff she loves to do all these floral pieces and birds and stuff and i'm like i fucking hate that you don't have to go through this goddamn marine of doing this <laughs> stuff because you should have to it's part of what you do but at the same time i'm very glad that she doesn't have to go through that doing stuff you really don't want to do kind of thing the initiation. Yeah, I'm sorry. Of the Chinese characters. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely not. And this is all. This is all very new and curious to us because Mike and I have blank virgin skin. The two of Neither us. Neither of you have none. We Nothing. have none. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how it's never been because we're both artists. I was going to say, especially in your. Yeah, we hear all the time. Like, I'm surprised you guys aren't covered head to toe in art. Mm -hmm, And it's mm -hmm. not a for or against anything. It's just something that never happened in our lives. I I almost feel like since I'm able to express myself in so many other ways, like I don't need to Mm -hmm. show art on myself. Like I have these songs. I have this writing I do. This is my expression of my creativity. You're that way even with your clothing, though. Like you're not one to... Like you, you would wear the same T-shirt that you've had since high school, which I tease you about. But that's, you wear them now, and now I've graduated into it's now my wardrobe that's full <laughs> yeah. of paint. So yeah. it worked out well. But yeah, that's kind of a an interesting consistency about you. Like you don't feel the need for that outward. Like this is who I am. It represents me because mm-hmm. fashion and tattoos are a way of being able to do that. I, mm-hmm. I think I'm super cheap too. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'll do it because they are not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I got, I got to go buy a guitar pedal after this, and they're they're like my tattoos getting mm-hmm. collector's and, item. Yeah. So yeah. what does the okay? Because Mike was talking about if somebody requests a song, I want for it to feel perfect before I start singing this. You don't really get the chance for it to be imperfect. So mm-hmm. what does taking it from the canvas to the skin really look like? I think. You draw it so many times before you ever get to the tattoo phase. I mean, for me anyway, I'm sure everyone has a different process, but I've gone through so many scenarios of like drawing it and God love digital drawing because my God, does that save you so much time since it's moved to iPads? Like Mm -hmm. you can easily like split a layer where, okay, well, I had the bird in this tattoo and now I need to make it a little smaller and tilt it about 10 degrees that way kind of thing, as opposed to having to erase and redraw the entire thing. So I think I've worked my process anyways i try to work through as many different versions to know i'm landing on the one before i tattoo it um and now that would be it yeah yeah and okay and so you you buy your own kit Mm -hmm. and then you approach your apprentice what's your very first experience with skin uh for me it was pomelos which are a giant grapefruit type thing okay so 
I, you have no machine or anything at this point. So once I got my apprenticeship from uh, Dave, who I learned from in Newfoundland, you work in the shop for a while, learn the dynamics of the shop, work on drawing fundamentals, all kinds of different things, subject matters. Like I'd have to pick something from the appointment book and then draw five versions of it. Okay. That kind of thing was how it was for me. Um, it was much different for Jen because she, other than like changing it up to some tattoo, how things would translate from an artistic design to a tattoo design. A lot of things translate okay. Some don't. Um, then it was, yeah, starting with learning how to make lines and circles and things like that on a pomelo or a grapefruit because I don't think we could get pomelos at that point because it gets you practicing on something that has a pore structure even though the texture is nothing like skin. And it's also something that's not flat. So you right. learn how to like curve around someone's leg or arm or something. And then we did pick up from Amazon some um, fake skin to try and you just kind of lay it over a paper towel or something but that stuff didn't work really good either because it was like tattooing a rubber eraser like it just has no pore texture it's not super thick it's like a silicone product but it's just about learning how to draw with like this vibrating machine hanging off the back of your hand so once you can figure out your hand positioning what it's like for your arm okay now you're doing good lines you can do concentric lines concentric circles stars are really hard because you have to get all the lines to, at the right point and not overshoot the points so you spend a lot of months doing those just real simple okay start with some really simple line designs and just trying to figure the mechanics out and then you tattoo yourself ah okay that's the first skin you do and what was your first tattoo? Have a look. This one. It's uh, a very choppy rose. And then uh, underneath it is actually Jen's first tattoo on a sick, on a person, not herself. It says, look, ma, first one. <laughs> I love yeah. that. And then that was followed by my second one. I'm like, oh, that's how it works. I mean, it's still really thick and kind of blown out. But yeah, wow. the second one turned out way better than the first one. Because the first one was done back in the era when we used to actually make our own needles. That, like, soldering the needle configurations together was, I'm really glad we don't do that anymore. <laughs> That's a process, oh I imagine. What a time suck. Like, you'd have to go in early in the morning. I would try and get my needles made for the week so then I could put them all in the, you know, sterilization process and then have them. But it doesn't always work out that way. But, oh, my God. Yeah, you have these little metal jigs for the configurations that you need. Then if you were doing, so the way liner needles work is that they look kind of like a pencil. They're like uh, five is the most popular one. So it's five tiny needles that are soldered together in a point and it sucks the ink up in the middle. And then it works like a sewing machine. So it's just going really fast and depositing the ink. But the shaders are two flat layers like a paintbrush. So you have to get them all even and you've got like a loop that you've got to check. It's a very strenuous wow. process. I don't know if anyone still makes their own needles, but oh my God. And you have to change that each time you change a color? No, you rinse it. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, you just use your, so you'll have your liner and your shader. You might have two liners and two shaders depending on how big or complex. Like I used, to, I like to use different want line width. So I'll use a thicker one and a thinner one. And then if, depending on how big the piece, if I have tight spaces I need to color, I'll use a smaller mag, which is the flat one. Or then if I have large areas to go, I'll use a bigger mag. So it was quite a process to make the needles. That's something Jen also didn't have to do. So I'm like, so bitter. The old days. <laughs> We're so all a little harder. resentful towards Jen today. <laughs> yeah, poor Jen. She's lovely. <laughs> so how does your clientele come to you? Is a lot of walk-ins or referral or people who keep coming back? I don't take walk-ins. I'm appointment-based. Um, I definitely did take walk-ins in the beginning, but as I got busier and built a clientele, I'm, I'm strictly appointment-based. Um, I used to have like a year-long wait list in St. John's, but that was 
no way to live. Like you have no life. You book up for a year and it's like, oh, in six months, let's take a vacation. Oh, I can't. I'm already booked. Yeah. When I moved here, I moved it to three months and that was nice. And then I moved down to two months, which was a pretty doable window. Then when COVID hit, I just started booking one month blocks in case we got shut down again. I didn't have all this backlog Mm -hmm. of people to rebook. And then it was like, this is really nice. I like just booking a month in advance. Sometimes it'll stretch a little further if I have people that need uh, multiple appointments. But for the most part, I just book one month blocks now and tell people to check back. And I I give priority. Part of the reason I I, um, book that way is so that if I have my regular clientele coming back, of which I've built up a pretty good one, they don't have to wait six months to get another piece from me. And then when I have time to take new clients, I will. The beauty of entrepreneurship. Being, yeah, it's in charge. It's been, I'll be tattooing 16 years in September now. And I've probably been doing that, yeah, since COVID. So the last four years it has been that I've been doing this process that I really like. But I've also gotten to the point now where I can do that. I have enough clientele and regular clients built up. So it's pretty nice. And you do a lot of other things aside from <laughs> tattooing. You have a TV show. Um, why don't you Why don't you talk about all the things that you do? Okay. Uh, well, I started with tattooing. That is my main job. Yeah. Um, then when I moved to Truro, uh, I mean, social media was pretty well established by then. Yeah. So I started sharing like. I actually moved to Truro at a really good time. A lot of other people were moving back and really investing in that community. Have you been to Truro? Like, spent much time? Oh there? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, not to have Nova lived Scotia there or have family, well, but yeah, yeah. exactly. There. So that started as well, not that started. Sorry, that was in its second year, I think, maybe in Truro when I was there, and all of these fun things like that were happening. So I was sharing online all the things I was doing and everyone was like, wow, you make Truro look really fun. Because the question I always got when I would tell people I'm moving, they're like. Why Truro, mm. of all places? <laughs> I was like, Truro's actually really great. Like, there's really great businesses here, and those businesses really like collaborating with other businesses, and then these music festivals are coming here, and like, you're in the middle of everything. So, organically, it became, started to become this business of people like wanting me to post about their business, or wanting me to go to their businesses, or like how they could advertise, and I was building up an audience, so unintentionally churro buzz uh was my second business was born mm-hmm. and that came the challenge of how do you monetize um this social media feed basically when it was still kind of new to be doing those things that was a struggle for a few years um now it's really picked up stride i have employees now and i i just have very little to do with it more on the overhead than the day to day uh then we did have um from there, I got approached by a tourism company that was doing tours solely based on the northern region of Nova Scotia, where there, you don't get a lot of stuff from Tourism Nova Scotia there. And um, they wanted to, like, they also had multiple businesses. And we're like, well, I think this is a natural scale for you. You're taking people through online, so why not actually take them um, What like in person? It's like, oh, do I do that? Can I do that? I really like the idea of doing that. And I love, like, touring people around that come visit. So I was like, yeah, okay, we'll do that too. And that was Secret Nova Scotia, which <laughs> I bought the assets of that travel company in January of 2020. Yes. And I hired someone to be the tour coordinator and laid them off in the same day because it was March 17th or 18th, the day that press conference came through <laughs> that was like, we're shutting it down. Uh... I was like, oh, God. So that, um, we did operate that summer. I can't remember if it was like, july august september or something like that 
And it wasn't bad. We had a decent response. There wasn't a lot of tourism, but obviously Mm -hmm. people were in the province like, I need to do something. What's in the province I can do? So we did okay there. Um, Then we kind of went through a rebrand and opened up again the following year, but we ended up having that closed down in May and then restrictions still for the summer. So we limped along again. It was like, okay, well, we're breaking even. It's getting easier. Hopefully next year is the year we have without uh, restrictions. So then last year we operated for a full season and it was great, but it's becoming too much at this point. So this year uh, we actually didn't open that company, but it was more because we had some costing issues with the rise in insurance and um, interest rates. So we kind of had to make the decision that was like, I can't, I'm not closing it down, but I can't operate this year and we'll have to look at what situation we're in next year. Um, So that's there, but definitely not pulling my attention now. And then through... Um, Andrew, who we were talking about earlier, Andrew Younger, is a director at an Eastlink show. I worked with him uh, on a documentary series called Maritime Inc. And we kept in touch after that, uh, just on social media. And randomly in, I think it was the winter of 2021, uh, my now husband was moving down from Alberta. And he is a unemotional minimalist. And I am a very emotional hoarder. So perfect match. Yeah. We were trying really hard to mesh our lives and we watched the Marie Kondo. Everyone's like, have you watched this? And what what sparks connection? I'm like, everything sparks joy for me. That's my problem. So we started making YouTube not YouTube videos, um, Instagram videos about like trying to mesh our lives. And Andrew contacted me and said, So I I got green light on this show and we need two hosts that have good banter, and I think you guys would be a good fit. Do you want to do this? And we're like, I mean, sure. <laughs> so he's like, well, we were just going to stick you in an RV. You're going to pick where you want to go. And we're going to tour around Nova Scotia. I was like, and, and you're going to pay us to do that? Right. And he was like, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we can do that. That sounds great. <laughs> so that's how we got started with them. Um, we ended up, that show didn't continue. And we pitched our own show last year, which is on airing now on Eastlink. And we're just about to film season two of that uh, next month. So I think that's it. Amazing. <laughs> wow. I love how all these things have just come to you as well yeah. by just doing things that you enjoy. Yeah. Like I like promoting local business and then it snowballed into oh. having your own television show. <laughs> yeah, it really did. You don't really think of it that way. But yeah, it's absolutely true. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's super fun. How do you know? I know that I asked other guests this before who, who take on a lot of projects and have so much, I guess, bandwidth to put out there. How do you know where to focus your energy at the appropriate times? I like the way you word that at the appropriate times. Well, Mike, <laughs> let me tell you. Actually, I've burnt out really hard is the honest truth. And I'm yeah. trying really hard to be very honest with people about that this year. Um, in the end of 2022, I felt like I was doing good. I had just started with this business group in November 2022, which is just these six women who decided, like, we want to get together and we want to really work on us and our businesses. And um, we got together in November and I was like, yes, okay, this is exactly what I need to get focused. Where do I want to go with my life? What do I really want to do? Because I can't keep going at this pace for the rest of my life. The reason I have is because I actually had a string of really terrible relationships for a long time and I started filling my life with work because that made me happy that connected me with people and it kept me going through terrible situations um and then in December into January I felt like really lost I I just like I don't know where I want to focus like 
it almost feels like I'm too ambitious and I could do so many things and so many things bring me joy, but I can't do them all. So how do I, how do I focus on what I really want to do? And I could not pull focus. Like usually in January, I'm like, all right, these are my goals. This is what I'm ready to do. Vision board, you know, whatever. But in January, I just, I couldn't get there. And I was starting then to get really worried about myself. I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm not driven. I'm not motivated right now. And then in February, I started to pull myself out of that fog only to have a pipe burst in our studio during that polar vortex. Mm. Flooded the studio. And luckily it was, you know, if you had to sacrifice half of the studio, it was a good one to do. It was all the Ikea furniture, things like that. It wasn't the tattoo side. It wasn't our filing cabinet. It wasn't, you know, we lost some equipment kind of things, but not Mm. too terribly. But that ended up having us shut down for uh, a month. And we were able to relocate quickly, but I had to renovate the space. I couldn't get anybody because everybody was busy with all the other emergencies that happened during that polar vortex. Couldn't get a plumber in, couldn't get a a construction person in, couldn't get, you know, anything done. Finally, at the end of February, we were able to get into our new space and up and running. But that was an incredibly stressful month because I had staff I had to maintain. I was like, do I have to lay them off for the month? I don't know. Like each week we're going, you know... um, just day by day trying to figure out if we're going to be able to work this week. And then I also put off an event the first week of March for the first time ever. Uh, because I'm overambitious and have problems. Uh, I had always for the last few years wanted to do this um, kind of a mesh of personal and professional development event. So I called it the Set for Success Summit. And I've been to some just like all over the well, all over North America, we'll say. And I, I love them. And I thought, why are we not doing this here? Like, why do I have to go to San Diego or New York or Toronto to go to these events? I could do this. But what that event taught me was just because you can doesn't mean you should do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did it. It was wonderful. But I don't Everyone kept asking, like, are you going to do this annual? Is this going to be something that happens regularly? It's like, no, it is not. Mm. I barely survived that because other than being stressed out of my gourd for the four weeks of not being able to work, and thank God we didn't have any of the product picked up for that um, event in the studio when it flooded, (laughs) or that would have been a whole other problem. But yeah, I am not cut out to do events. If you know someone that does events for a living, hug them, bring them coffees and teas, whatever they need it, (laughs) because that is a a hateful uh, occupation because there's so many turning like wheels that you can't control. Like we ended up having a snowstorm the day before. And when we got to the point where it was like, we have to call it now, whether we pull the plug or not, we had six speakers lined up from various points of the province. We would never be able to line them up with another date because we had booked it like four months out. And so once I cleared that, I really had a breakdown. Like I couldn't stop crying. I was just, I also had to then spend that whole month working all of my clients from February into all the clients I already had booked for March so that they didn't have to wait till April or May to get in. So I broke hard in March and I was like, I have to do something because I can't keep going like this. So April, we also sold our house and moved into a trailer, which is 185 square feet. I don't think it's even that much. I think it might be 182. (laughs) Yeah, which is the one we use for the show. So that's kind of when we started taking the show on we had joked about my husband if he hadn't met me his plan was to buy a 16 foot trailer bachelor pad and that's what he was going to live in but we upgraded slightly uh when we did the first show we were in an rv that was 24 feet i was like okay well this is a good introduction to see if this is something i can do Mm -hmm. 
I was like, you know, I think I can do this. Like, it's just enough space. Um, now, that had slides, which was, you know, when they push in and push out so that you have extra room once you park. But then when we stopped doing that show and moved on to ours, we said, you know, I think instead of renting a trailer, we'd like to buy our own that we'll eventually move into and then rent that to the show. So that's what we did. We bought a uh, 25-foot flying cloud Airstream. And that's what we currently live in now. So just to backtrack a little. So February, we had the pipe burst and relocation. March, we put off the event and then promptly had to finish packing up our house, which we sold in April and moved out of. I'm now squatting on my sister's land <laughs> on in our trailer. <laughs> so yeah, 2023 has beaten the crap out of me, but only in my own, for my own devices. So I can't blame anyone for it. But now I'm at, okay, what do I really want to do? How do I pull this back and not have 18 different projects on the go? And that's where I currently am now. <laughs> I am offloading I, everything. <laughs> I honestly feel like every successful person that's either we talk to on here or just you come across in life is someone who takes on a shitload of things. They succeed at all of them or most of them and they're on paper they're doing amazing but they always get to a breaking point where something happens they realize that they've taken on just a little too much and then things kind of spiral i don't want to say out of control but i mean pretty close <laughs> a lot of people and i'm not saying just you here i'm just saying like a lot of people have this breaking point and then they they maybe not hit rock bottom but they sink a little bit lower and they have to reprioritize and they start to value self-care and take care of themselves and see what the things that really matter to them are and it seems like everyone goes through that cycle and i guess it's just a cycle of ambition because you believe you can take on more and more things and then there is a point where like some people can take on so many things, but everyone has a breaking point eventually. 100%. I feel like every successful person seems to hit that and then has to just shift to realize where to put those energies. Because because we have a finite amount of energy we can really put towards things. And yeah, we've we've got there ourselves, Chris. And we've both experienced yeah. burnout. Yeah, and I imagine even that the symptoms or the experience of burnout looks different for everyone, but it's it's so frustrating for people like us because not only are you doing a lot of these things and they're going well, but you truly individually love all of them. Yeah. Like I really enjoy and your intentions are good. And, you know, the event you described, you're bringing people together and it's really an outcome of your own experience that you want to show others like, oh, there's a better way. And then <laughs> surprise, there's all of this behind the scenes work that goes into event planning. So it almost backfires in a way. And then you have to start from nothing, like you're a shell of yourself and faced with all these questions about how do I rebuild this? How do I prioritize this? How do I let something go? Like that's a really emotional part of it, even for some people is like, yeah. oh, that's my toxic these, trait for yeah, sure. Yeah, these five yeah. things that I love. I am so connected to this work, be it. I, I imagine as a tattoo artist, you're connecting on a very personal, deep level with people, which you would love with your show, you're highlighting parts of our province that are beautiful and overlooked and the amazing people within them. Like these aren't just frivolous things to earn an income. They're very deeply meaningful offerings for you and for the people that are part of it. So that must just be wrapped up in this whole vortex of stuff. 
Yeah. And now you're in your van. And now I am in my trailer. <laughs> and it's it's a, a weird thing that all this comes from ambition. Mm. Like sometimes like you get to a point where you're taking on all these things and you're like, oh my God, this is so hard. And then you just see someone who, I guess for lack of a better word, you describe as lazy and they don't have those problems. It just, yeah, I don't care if I sit here and just drink beer all day and watch TV and not that there's anything wrong with that. But sometimes if that's all you do, like. But we've talked about being envious of people that can truly embrace that lifestyle. Yeah. Because we have none of that. Like they just turn off. They go to a job. They do it. They come home. They have nothing to do with it. That's it. Yeah. yeah, like not even they're not even concerned about having a hobby. And I'm not saying that like that's just not naturally who we will ever be. Mm-hmm. And it's not that one is better than the other. But having just a little bit of that forgiveness about how you spend your time to be able just to go home and crack a beer for the whole night. Mm-hmm. I can't if I go to the beach, I have to either be writing like I'm writing in a notebook because, okay, this might come in handy somewhere in the future where this can translate into a song or a piece of work for a book, or I got to be organizing a list, making sense of things in my head, or I have to be reading a book to obtain knowledge. I can't just sit there and say, I'm yeah. just going to sit in the beach. Yeah. I don't know the like, last time I felt boredom. Like if as soon <laughs> yeah. as I have time open up, I have a list of things that are going to fill in that time. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever been bored in my life, actually. I mean, I definitely have, but it was definitely... Oof. You were seven. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a very long time ago. <laughs> Certainly not since I've been a business owner and just hit this like creative stride of things. And I think that's another thing, too. Like I never... I would I did not do well in school. Not like a a poor student. Like I just didn't learn well in that environment. And I didn't know that until much later when I started doing courses through in business in Truro. Um they offer these really great free courses through the LSI in Nova Scotia. And when I started doing these courses that are like identifying learning patterns and things like that as a business owner, I had no idea like these I mean, I thought I knew I had these like learning, uh, I don't want to say disabilities because I've never had anything diagnosed, but I just didn't learn well in that environment. So I thought I wasn't good at school. I didn't have great grades. I did my best. But then when I got to university and was doing art at uh, NASCAD, like I flourished. Mm. And then after that, learning how how I learned, like I would love to go back to school now. I was like, I would crush it now. (laughs) But back then I didn't know those things about myself. So I never thought I could be a business owner. And then when I did, and then more opportunities started coming, like, oh, you can just do this and find a way to like make a living or make some money with it. But I just, I didn't know those things were available to me younger in life. Like I wasn't, I didn't have, not say motivation, but I didn't have, um, oh my God, what's the word when you look up to people? A role model? Yeah, I guess I, I had mentor. no, yeah, I didn't have any role models or I had no aspirations. I feel like when I was in high mm-hmm. school of what life was going to be like after, I mean, you know, like when you're a teenager, you can't even think that far ahead anyway, but. Well, and in our generation, we weren't presented with much variety. <laughs> you were going to be one of these five things. And if you didn't connect with or identify with that, you felt, yeah, incapable. Right. Well, I guess I can't do this thing. Right. I remember listening to, I feel like I'm fanning out now, but I was listening to the episode. Uh, like, I think I went right back to the first one uh, of how you grew up in Clarence. And it was like, you had like <laughs> two options down there. And I, I actually am doing a lot of work in Clarence now in Lawrencetown area. Dairy really? farmer <laughs> or beef cattle farmer yeah, were that's your it. options. That's yeah. it, right? So like, yeah, I mean, I didn't grow up in that small an area, but there wasn't. You, 
entrepreneurship wasn't quite on the rise or such a buzz topic as it is now. It's like you can be anything. You can do anything if you can just, you know, work hard at it and find a way to make it work. (laughs) Has simplifying your living environment helped simplify your your sort of brain energy? (laughs) I mean, a little bit. It takes me 30 minutes to clean our entire trailer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't have a lawn to mow. Uh, and where I'm at at my sister's, they literally moved into their house three weeks before we moved onto their land. So they don't have a lawn or anything that needs to be done yet either. So I think, yeah, definitely a simpler living situation did not hurt for sure. And can you travel around in this? So you, <laughs> I'd have to unload some stuff in it so yeah. it's a little lighter. Okay. But yeah, we will be taking off to film uh, starting in the middle of next month. And yeah, I'll have to definitely take some stuff out. I think it's an experience everyone should have to go through because like when you go through a house of stuff and how you have to pare it down, because I'm telling you, 185 square feet is not big like we had so much stuff in our kitchen like we had the good dish set and then like the everyday dish set or we had five different pans five pans can't go in that trailer mm-hmm. we have two pans we have a bigger wok and then a smaller one and that's it and like just the amount of things you have to pare down to like what do we actually bare necessity really need it's it's an eye-opening situation i've kind of felt that since the the fires since we, we were evacuated from here and we were able to take a few things out and uh, I, I said this in the podcast before, but we, I wanted to really take my ideas. Like, so I got a box of books, all my hard drives, like all this gear I still left. Like I didn't care. Like if a microphone, if I lose that, I can go buy that. But mm-hmm. like 20 years of my ideas, I don't want to lose. Yep. And then when we came back after that, um, just like, just the last week, I'm like, I want to, look under our bed like because a lot of times you store things under there and there's like whatever old whatever books that were sitting there like i don't need this book anymore i don't need this and Mm -hmm. like just started getting rid of things like because we and i don't think i'm we're anywhere close to like hoarders or anything but we do have a lot of things we don't need like yeah, so There's you certainly need, there are a room. lot of hats in here, but they're a decorative purpose for my studio where <laughs> I bring clients and they have to be entertained when they step in here and feel a sense of warmth and community. And those hats <laughs> provide that. Now, I haven't seen all, heard all the podcasts, but I don't feel I've heard mention of this lion bust that's on the yeah, wall. The, there's a our episode with Nancy Regan, okay. the legendary gal herself. She named that lion Lawrence. So, I love it. Lawrence was originally part of a music video and yeah. now the official mascot of the podcast room. Uh, yeah, my, this studio ultimately, uh, Hot Jupiter Sounds, we call it. So, mm-hmm. it, uh, yeah, Kristen was in a music video that that Lionhead was in for my band. And uh, we, we just did a big uh, Value Village run beforehand. And, like, we got to, and at the end, we're just going to throw all the stuff out. I'm like, I can't throw that out. It's just. <laughs> It's got, there's got to be a purpose for it. And a few years later, there it goes, nailed on the wall. It's definitely a conversation starter. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's lot, lots of those in here. Yeah. yeah I want to I... talk about small towns because you're often traveling to these nooks and crannies of Nova Scotia. Why do we want to highlight those stories? That's a good question. I work a lot in rural communities. Uh, I'm doing a lot of work with Lawrencetown and surrounding villages. You know, the other Lawrencetown, because everyone asks, the one at the beach? I'm like, no, yeah. the one in Annapolis Valley. Yeah. 
with the uh, surveying school. Uh, Cogs. Right? That's oh, right, yes. Cogs. Yep. Yeah. That's it. I love that your motion for surveying school. I wish you could show people what <laughs> that like was. like a rake or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost, like... <laughs> almost like a gun. I don't know. I was like, it was kind of shotgunny to me, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I really love the rural communities, like the people, the businesses. And this is such a time where people love finding the being the first to find those experiences of like the little nook and cranny place of, you know, wherever the bakeries, things like that. I mean, a lot of people go to the bigger HRM areas and, you know, there's there's lots of great stuff in the cities, too. But, man, there's so much charm in the rural communities of Nova Scotia, like the the villages. There's so many villages I spoke last year at the uh, AGM of the Nova Scotia Village Association. I couldn't believe how many villages there were. Like that's not and something. And then there's an association for them. There is an association, yeah. So I think there's a lot of power in exploring the smaller communities and the people, um, the people that are in them and remain in them. I mean, I came. I came from <laughs> Mount Pearl, which is not a small village. It was a town when I was born, and I remember somewhere in the middle, it became a city. And the celebration that they have, but and now it's just basically huge suburban sprawl. But it's that's, not the same. That's almost the opposite of most places. Most places are a town; they lose their town status and become a village. Yeah. So there must be some happening stuff going on in Mount Pearl. <laughs> uh, yeah, the prices in St. John's, I think, is what drove people yeah. out. And actually, it's probably more expensive to live in Mount Pearl now because yeah. of the population explosion there. So the it goes. Kind of the same as your hometown. Yeah. Like it's there's... growing. And more it's, expensive. Yeah, the po- the population has probably grown a little. The summers are definitely like the population grows drastically. Oh, yeah. But in terms of year round residents, not that many more. But some people have moved back home, like, oh, we can make a slightly better life for ourselves than we could a few years before. Now there's some more opportunities there. That's an interesting point too, because I've heard that a lot in Truro, like people yeah. who have moved back with that. It's like, I was never moving back. Like they left as soon as school was over. Yeah. They saw other places in the world and then they decided that <clears throat> at this point in their life, that's where they wanted to come back. And that's how it was for me. It was like, yeah, yeah I could move to Halifax and be in the bigger population, but I want to buy a house. I wanted to have some land. I don't want to be on top of my neighbors. I don't want to hear like all of the people of like an apartment building kind of thing. And it was the right time and place for me to be there. I never thought I would move into, I mean, it's hard to consider Truro rural when you look at a lot of the villages that are in our, Mm. our province, but it is considered rural. And I never thought I would go smaller than that. And now we're moving even further out. We're moving to like a Clifton area, which is still in Colchester, but It'll be like 20 minutes outside. 30 minutes was my max. I was like, I'm not going more than 30 minutes from Truro. If I have to commute more than that, I'm just not interested. So, yeah, we're we're building like there's five houses out there, maybe like it's super rural. There's If we go home and we forgot milk, well, we're not getting milk because I'm not driving all the way back in town mm. to get that kind of thing. And COVID has made the world smaller. You can move. You can work from home. You can work from a rural community, a job that you would have had in Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. It's like. There's people, I think, during that realize, oh, I can just go back to my where I grew up because I love it there and keep doing the same job. And I think that was uh, a pretty eye-opening thing for a lot of people. And yeah. that's, a, that's really nice that people get to go to the spot they want to be because a lot of people, a lot of times people work somewhere and like this isn't where I want to be this I'm here because my job is here yeah I think there's if there's one thing I could wish for people and I feel like all three of us could attest to that is that 
you really can like architect the life you want to have. Like might not be easy. It's not going to be like, oh, well, I just gave up my government job and totally replaced my salary. It's like, no, that's not how it happens. It takes time. It takes effort. But you really can engineer the life that you want to have, where you want to have it, doing what you want to do. I'm so glad you raised this point because it's something that I think even we in the thick of it need a reminder of. Mike and I talked about this last night. Just look where we're at. Like, let's take a minute and just appreciate what we've done for ourselves. Like, we did this, but we put effort into doing this. It's a scary thing to, Mm. you know, geographically move or to leave this secure job that you're told everybody wants and how lucky you are to have. And it's hard to live as an artist and you you have to invest time and trust and commitment. But eventually, like we're maybe a year and a half into really purposefully architect. I love that word. Like we're <laughs> we're building this and we're putting thought into. So something we've talked about is wanting to spend winters away from Nova Scotia. Us too. Which Nova Scotian doesn't have this dream? Oh my God. And so this upcoming winter, uh, like we've always thought three months would be great. This upcoming winter, we're going to try to do three weeks, maybe a month. We're not at that full realized dream yet, but this is kind of year one of what we know and now have evidence that we can do this, that eventually we're going to reach that. Oh my God, I love that so hard. Yeah, like you have to, and, and being open to... It not looking maybe exactly right away like this, the the Cadillac version. Like, let's just drive the Corolla I was in just for say, a few we're weeks. At Corolla level. Yeah, yeah. But we're Corolla people. <laughs> yeah. 2013 and Honda Civic. Yes, yeah. And if that's where we stay, like, you still feel proud of yourself and you still feel just better. Like, you're in control and we're guilty, much like you sound, of taking on too much. And it's very difficult to say no to things that mean something to you but part of the shaping of this life has also been to build in that free time that we didn't have before and always craved oh man it's so true and i I love your corolla and cadillac analogy because one of the things i've also realized i i'm sure we all do this was coming up with thinking like i want to make six figures in my life i want to make a certain amount of money so i can live the life i want to live kind of thing and then you realize well I actually don't need that much money to live that life that I I actually want to live. All I need is enough to, you know, do these things, have this taken care of, and that's enough. And I think that's been a huge shift in people, too. Like, you stop focusing on the number of, like, I need to make this much in my corporate whatever. And, well, actually, what I want is be able to take a, a – well, actually, our goals are we want to get to a point where we can live in another country for a month, mm-hmm. just once a year – And our goal is to be gone for the winter. So we've set a goal of 2024 winter is when we're hoping that we will be able to leave with the trailer. We don't know where our destination. We'd love to get to Arizona, whether or not that's realistic or not. We don't know. And spend the winter away, fly back for Christmas, and then go back again until like April kind of thing. But we figure if we want it to happen, rather just to be a pipe dream, we had to attach timelines, estimated goals to it. And I think that's a big thing that gets lost in this like buzzwords of manifesting and vision boards and stuff. It's like, yeah, manifesting actually works if you're putting your energy into what you want to do, but you actually have to work towards it too. Like if you're not using that manifesting into keep it in the forefront of your mind or put into plan, like how do I actually work towards this? 
it's not going to do it. You can't just put a picture on a wall and hope it happens. Yeah. Manifesting is just having a a good plan, mm-hmm. really. In my experience is how it's come to life, because I was a person who just cut a picture out of a magazine and put it on my wall. And then two years later was pissed off that I didn't have that thing. But you realize like, well, how much how many times did you even look at that picture again at the very basic level? But what steps did you take to make this happen? And it's for me, I'll go back to this point of it looking different than how I might have thought it looked. But if I really think about it, it's exactly what I needed or wanted or manifested, I guess. Yeah, 100%. Even if you read back through old journals I've I've had and I've gone, I'm like, oh my God, like this stuff actually came to happen in less time than I thought it would because I was always working towards it. And it was in the back of my mind. I would write about it. I'd think about it. I'd move towards it. But yeah, same thing like with your life. If if you want to work on being away, you set timelines. They might not be where you want them to be or maybe they'll happen sooner. But you have to actually take steps towards that to actually make it happen. Yeah. And there's along those steps, there's sacrifices too, right? Like you have this end goal. And then I think you really have to take into consideration what you value to get there. Like if you know whatever, you have to make X amount of money to travel for away for three months or whatever, but you also love going to the keg twice a week, <laughs> yeah. you're going to have to start to see, okay, well, if I'm going to be spending this much going to this, this steakhouse, then we're not going to have this much money. So do you value going to the keg more than saving up this money to accomplish this goal? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people just don't have the... Discipline. The t- well, not even. It's kind of just putting all these factors together. You have to do this to get this and this and this. Like it's because you have to really you can't just sit there. Like, okay, I'm going to do. You got to write some things down. You got to map this out yeah. and make some lists and just see what your priorities are and just have conversations. Like yeah. I think I don't think it can just happen by just just saying, yeah, I want to go away for three months and then just see what happens. Like you got to make these sacrifices and calculations and mm-hmm. set goals and have dates or, okay, by this date, maybe I want this. And if it doesn't happen, it's fine. But I know I'm on the path. Yeah. And I, I think it can be very overwhelming for people like to map out those things or what the money will yeah. cost or the things that you can't do. But it doesn't have to be overwhelming and it doesn't have to be this big, oh, you know, it doesn't have to be a big financial thing, but it depends on what your goal is. Like, for us to go away for the winter, it's like, well, we need to make sure we have, you know, enough money saved up. Can we work away or do we have enough opportunities to work while we're there or are yeah. we going to be off work for that long? Those kind of things. But I think because money has become such a, a trigger for so many people that like they just can't fathom that you can budget without like making yourself feel like crap or sacrificing everything. It's like, yeah, maybe you make coffee at home instead of buying that coffee and you're saving that money up towards it. But there's so much power in budgeting. And that's really pot calling the kettle black because I I didn't like to do it for so long. But you can actually, you just think it has to be sacrifice. But really it means it's like, no, it can be moderation as opposed to just sacrificing. You can still have a dinner out. Maybe it's not the keg or things Mm -hmm. like that. But you can find a way to put your money into your live expenses, money that you have to put away and then still have fun money. But it, I think just it's so overwhelming when you think of such a big thing like that. You have to break it down into bite-sized pieces. And I think there's not enough training like around that stuff of like one great analogy I heard was like, here's a post-it note for where I am right now. Here's a post-it note for my goal. 
what are the steps I have to take in between to go from where I am now to where I want that goal? Yeah. And sometimes you know what they are and sometimes you don't. But it's a good starting point. You talked about earlier being part of a group of, I think, six other yep. businesses. Has that helped you find some of this clarity and direction working with others? Definitely. Like people's experience is outside of your own is so invaluable. And I probably get the most questions about that group whenever I talk to anybody about it because everybody wants something like that. It's been yeah, it's funny because in we got together in February and I wasn't going to was it February or March. I think it was March, actually. I wasn't going to go. Because I was like, I can't stop crying. I'm so burnt out and I don't want to bring this into that group. And I, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to absorb. But I talked myself out of it. I was like, you committed to do this group. Go and do it and just see what happens. And I did. And we do a round table. Everyone checks in. And I <laughs> didn't make it through mine without crying. And it was great because a lot of those people had been through the same scenario and we're all in some service-based business, some product-based businesses, and everybody is at different years of their business experience. And I think that's one of the most, that has to be the most valuable part of that is that when you tell someone your situation who's not emotionally connected to it, or maybe they have experience, maybe they don't, but they can just look at it with fresh eyes, like what a priceless perspective that is. And everybody all like I, I left that meeting. I went in feeling like a shell of a human mm. and I came out feeling much lighter and better than I had when I started. And yeah, I wish everybody had this kind of group for themselves. And it's it's nothing formal. We just we'd all done different groups and we decided to come together and we we're going to cap it at six. So it didn't get too big. And we have we try and meet once a quarter and we do the same thing where we're checking in uh, what's keeping you up at night. How is your mental health, your physical health, your relationship health, your business health. And we're really covering the whole picture of it. And it's, yeah, it's been an incredibly valuable situation. We find we get some of that from podcasting. Oh, I believe Actually, it. because we bring in like-minded people. And like just hearing you talk today, having somebody understand how you feel is huge because entrepreneurship and creative entrepreneurship in particular is kind of isolating like you're we're always putting ourselves out there, be it on social media or website or if you get a media opportunity, this is great because it means maybe I'm bringing new clients in. But the day to day is very much there's so much work behind the scenes that goes into it that other people don't see. But speaking with you, like I know you get that without <laughs> me having to explain what it is because you have your own version of the chaos that comes mm -hmm. with the the single Facebook post that people think represent your life. Yeah. And it's hours and hours and hours of just, yeah, agony at times yeah. that go into that. I, I haven't told a lot of people about, like, the. I've been trying to tell more people about the burnout and the scaling back and things like that because I, I really believe in putting out an honest picture. And I've had some people go, oh, really? I didn't get that off your social media at all. It seems like everything's great and you're always doing so many things. And I'm like, God damn it. It's like, am I getting that out? Do people think that? And then you think, you know, you spiral in those ways. But... Right. Yeah, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. I, I find you're very honest. That's one of the things <laughs> I admire <you>. <laughs> about and, and your journey with just like body image stuff. Like that's something I've struggled with that, you know, I don't know that I've met a woman. And we had, well, Sean McNamara, who was on our last episode that we they had uh, tried to interview us and we took over. <laughs> but he he's a trainer and talked about like men struggle with this, too. We yeah. just don't talk about it as much. Yeah. So that was enlightening, too. And you're like, everybody out there is struggling with some kind of self-confidence and 
how we show up, how we look online. And like there's this tailored nature to people's lives. So more and more, I appreciate people talking about raising their hand like, yeah, I, you know, had to, it took me a while to be comfortable maybe to wear the shirt or yeah, just deal with, talk about burnout because yeah. we're not Making supposed mistakes. to do that. Making yeah. mistakes. Yeah. I had a bad week a while ago there where I, I had a video shoot fall apart and I was just beating myself up over it. And I was like, I'm going to share this because I know that this feeling other people are having and it's just like normalize those things, hopefully. And yeah. speaking about the man's body image, I did a little foray into not quite podcasting, but I did, um, a YouTube video series a couple of years ago. Again, it's just something I really wanted to do. I had no objective to it. I just really wanted to, I had these great people in my life that I felt other people need to need, hear their stories. So I did a 10 episode series uh, called Life Sensulated, which I put on YouTube. And one of the episodes was uh, a body image panel with dudes, 20, 30, 40, 50. Amazing. And it was it was Brennan was in that. Oh, my God. He's going to out me for saying that now. But yeah. And I laugh at like one of the big th hot topics for them was one of the guys who was in his 30s has this lush head of hair. And then a few of the guys on the panel are like balding or having thinning hair. And they're just like, you bastard. <laughs> like, it's funny, the different body images, things like I would never think of that as a woman. But of course, that's a big deal. The great for, example. For a lot of guys. Yeah. Right. Like and what came up in that was so interesting to me about like, you know, the, the issues they have going to a beach, which are so different than, you know, what girls go through going to a beach. But we all have these issues, but you don't talk about it as much with men, I feel. And, you know, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Like my body image or not forever. But do you find like when you're consuming social media, do you find a man's perspective or account different than a woman's as far as being or open even and honest? Being on stage. Like, do you yeah. find people critique men differently? Like if you have a full head of hair or your body shape or things um oh god I, <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> i uh i think it's still harder for women like um we have uh, a girl that plays with us but I, and i i honestly feel like our audience is pretty awesome and like i don't feel like there's ever been anyone who would ever say negative things to, to any of us but obviously you never know a lot of the negative things that are being said you don't know about i guess uh, -huh. uh I I feel like I I fluctuate in weight periodically and like when I'm on stage and I'm lighter I feel better just I can move more and I just feel more confident I guess um I don't I don't know if other people are like making negative remarks if in times where I don't feel like I'm at in my my better phase, I guess. Um, I yeah, I, I guess I don't know what other people are saying, but for myself personally, like I'd I'd rather be in the best shape I can be, just because well, there's a lot of moving up there, mm -hmm. and I feel more comfortable, like physically, and just and endurance. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you have to to hold like really long notes and stuff. Like mm -hmm. I can sing better when I'm in better physical shape. Um, I think. All in all, most things are better in life when when I'm in, in better shape. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, yeah, if I want to go for a 10K hike or something, it's just no issue at all. Like, I sweat after three steps whether I'm in, like, <laughs> the best shape of my life or I'm 50 pounds overweight. That doesn't matter. I sweat a lot. That's one thing I just, I had to just, even when I was, like, 14, like, okay, I sweat like a pig no matter what I do. 
So I just have to accept that. We've talked about if we ever had kids, they just slip out of our hands all the times because we're both just sweaty people. Like I, I, right after a show, like I don't know, a bunch of friends come to the green room and someone wants to give you a hug, and I'm I'm always like I never even have to think about it. I'm I'm soaked. Like I say, it like right away, like I just played a show, like my shirt will look like it's not wet because it's completely mm-hmm, wet mm-hmm. like it's usually there's like a whatever sweaty spot but my shirt is 100% wet in every <laughs> single spot but uh yeah someone will come up, I'll give you a hug I don't care and then they give give me a hug I'm like oh you are wet <laughs> like I told you thank like, you I'm, for confirming that it's like I jumped into the ocean like just <laughs> that's just how it is but uh and that is like I don't want to sweat that much, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I just realized that about myself. Good for you so on acceptance. I, have to accept I wasn't it. expecting the sweaty conversation to come up quite, <laughs> yeah. quite so prominently. But yeah, I, well, everyone's unique in their own way, right? Well, like, and both of you are doing work that's more vulnerable and exposed than most. Like you're being filmed, people are watching you in your a visual, physical way. And same with you, Mike. Like, I, I don't mean this to make you uncomfortable, but I have been in the audience and have heard people comment on people's bodies looking different than the last show. Like oh, so-and-so's yeah. gained weight or so-and-so's lost weight. And it's not meant to be no. mean or rude. They're observing because they yeah. see you on a consistent basis. And it's also comments we always grew up making. Like I'm trying so hard to remove that from my thought process because yeah. it, it's a natural thing of like, I just went home uh, and worked a convention that I haven't been in in five years. And I was aware of, oh God, I hope that didn't sound, doesn't come out in the mic, but I, I heard, I could feel how much weight I've put on since I'd been home and thinking like do other like in my head I couldn't stop thinking are people looking at me going like oh wow she's bigger not because it's just the thought we have like I'll see someone I haven't seen in a while and thought oh they've lost weight or the other way and I'm trying so hard to remove that from something I actually verbalize and hopefully from that I think I've tried to even stop and I don't know if this is right, uh, and there is no right or wrong, perhaps, but, you know, friends who have gone on a, a health and wellness journey and have really improved their body and put a lot of work into that, even then I'm reluctant to say, you look great or what are you doing different? Because it's like you were great to begin with. And yeah. and like you're saying, I don't even want that thought to be part of the process anymore. Yeah. Like it's you rewiring. do you, it's yeah. completely your own feelings about yourself it's not up to me to even compliment you because it doesn't matter i think it's just human nature to be able to make those observations so like you don't have to say anything Mm -hmm. that's the part where you can stop it yeah but i'm sure just from thousands of years of dna like we're just scanning people like Mm -hmm. and i hate this part about me but just like differences of people like someone has something i don't know like a a, a birth, <laughs> yeah. a bir- big birthmark on there for yeah. it. Something like that. Like I notice it right away, and I'm like, I don't want to, yeah. but just my my eyes pick up on it, and it's just. Uh, I think that's just human nature more than anything. Like obviously, you have the choice if you're going to say something about it and be a horrible person, like to point that out. Like you can, you don't have to do that. Yeah, but. I don't know. I I don't know if you can erase those things from your wiring or not, mm. just to pick up on something like yeah. that you visually see. Well, like when I travel, I I have to tell people who I'm traveling with that they haven't traveled before me. It's like a lot of people stare. A lot of people will come over and make comments. They're like ninety percent good. Occasionally, you'll get some people that aren't, but like just don't worry about. It. 
but I have to prepare them because it is a big deal. Like because you have tattoos because of the visible. Yeah. Like the, okay, I'm so yes. heavily tattooed yeah. that in a lot of places you don't see that a lot. So like we right. trying to think where I was. I can't think of now the last time I went, but I had told my friend, like, just as a heads off, like, a lot of people stare, make comments, like, if you're not used to it, it's very jarring, but for a lot of people, it's it's that visual pull that you can't help because it's just your, either the color of the tattoo catches you or just the fact that it's, someone might think, are those tattoos? Like, I've had people ask me if they're real or if you're wearing those sleeves kind of thing, all that kind of stuff, but mm. I prep people before we go because it, it inevitably happens. Airports are the worst, but actually, in the last few I've been, I haven't had an incident, but... Yeah, it, it's 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 human nature. Like you're you're yeah. not thinking about it, and your eye is pulled. I mean, I stare at people when they have tattoos. So I'm looking. I was like, do it. Can I figure out who that artist was? Where they get it done, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just. How do you feel it. about like maybe your work on someone else or the work on your own body? And is there any attachment to or concern about if people like it or not? Or is mm. that create like is the creativity part different than? how you might feel about your body. I mean, I definitely want people to like the work I'm putting out there. Yeah. So like when people come back and go, oh, I get so many compliments on my tattoos. It's like, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. Um, as far as my own, I don't I don't think I've really thought of it. Like grocery stores, I hear the most where you get someone go, nice tats or something like that. And I'm like, thanks. And just keep going <laughs> kind of thing. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I hope people see the work. I like that I'm to the point where people will recognize my work, which I, cool. I really love that. Uh, I imagine you must get the same with your pieces. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, like if somebody recognizes, because there are lots of people that do what I do. Yep. So if I'm there's same. something that makes it distinct, that's to me a compliment. I oh, love 100%. that. Yeah. yeah, I love that too. Yeah. How would you describe your tattoo style? Or is that is that even like Mike would play rock music? I would make abstract art. Is that does that exist in the tattoo world? I mean, it definitely does because there's genres. Like I primarily do back black and gray work uh portrait work but i do other things uh as well but i do that the most like what i love doing the most are faces like whether it's a lady face which is like a generic i just did like a woods witch one that i posted a while ago um but i think my faces become the most recognizable or the floral work i couldn't tell you why other than it's just the way i do it um similar to yours like yeah you do abstract work but the way you do it is what sets you apart same thing like Mm -hmm. it's just I, I couldn't put a name on what the technique is, but yeah, no, black and gray sense. is what I do the most. <laughs> okay, so uh, a young person comes to you and like, Alicia, I'm going to start my own business and I don't have any idea what I'm going to do. Or they know what their business is going to be, but they don't know anything about the ropes and how to how to get to this end goal. What are some general things you say to them? I actually wrote a blog on it that I can't remember right now <laughs> for Small Business we'll Week. We'll put a link to the blog yeah. in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, uh, if you go to aliciaetattoo.ca, um, <laughs> I think like the biggest thing is like not for me is not picking something just to make money. Like if you have something that you really love doing and you can make that a business, then you absolutely can make that a business. You don't have to go to business school. You don't have to have a degree in it. Would it be easier? Maybe. But, uh, you know, you can figure those things out. Um, yeah, the, the very first thing is that it should be something you're passionate about. If it's not, maybe don't do it. Cause it's, if you're just going out, like I'm going to make a ton of money doing this. I find obviously, as I'm sure we could all say that those ones don't necessarily work the best. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely do research. Like are other people doing it? How are they doing it? Um, and not from a comparison standpoint, like from a little learning about it, contact people like mentors are huge. And I've found that most people who are, um, who are 
doing business either on their own or have gotten bigger are willing to talk to people and help you with it, like um, not necessarily take you under their wing, but definitely have a conversation with you. Like, this is how I got started. Like, don't do this. This is what I did. This is what worked really well. Here are some resources that I used. Podcasts and books are hugely helpful. I listened to a lot of business and marketing podcasts that were really helpful. Um, Yeah, just like you don't have to go it alone. Like, reach out and talk to people who are either doing it or in the business sector. But like biggest thing is just be passionate about what you're doing and research how to make it a business and, you know, how you're going to monetize that. Great advice. Yeah, making it your own. It's a lot more articulate in the blog, but right now I'm drawing a total blank. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real nice, like, five-step process, I think. That's perfect. Well, yeah, this has been an amazing chat, and we're excited for all the things you're doing, the plethora of things that you've taken on and excelled at, and, yeah, curious to see how it all plays out, and hopefully that you're, you know, just finding your niche there yourself where you don't feel like you're taking on too much you know, the appropriate amount of energy is expended <laughs> that's right to i get hope that for all of us <laughs> exactly what you want we, we want appropriateness for everyone yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah maybe in a year we'll be doing this again from a location that's somewhere else because we've managed to figure out how yeah. we're going to do that exactly we'll be in the tropical area next oh, time we speak that i think that's the plan mm. I yeah. love that. I'm Thank you board. for driving all the way down from Truro to be with us as well. We, we're, Mike and I are very proud that we have had all of our guests in studio. So That's a big deal. We're and not going to turn anyone down, no. but we we really are grateful that you've you've made this adventure for us. I appreciate the invitation. I love what you guys are doing both on the podcast and outside of it. So I was honored when you reached out and happy to be a part of this little community. Awesome. Thanks a million. And yeah, thanks for sharing your story and uh, all the best ahead. Let's go. Thanks for listening, folks. Okay. Much love. Cheers. Peace. Episode 70, Outroduction. Look at us go. 70 episodes in, just, you know, meeting awesome people, finding out about who they are, what inspires them, you know, just all the intricacies of being a human. It's been a blast every week. People often ask us if we're running out of guests or running out of steam, but I don't think any either of those are happening yet. Just, we just keep happening happening to come across awesome people, so Yeah, Nova Scotia's full of yeah. full of them. Yeah, we'll we'll just keep interviewing them as long as we can find them. <laughs> and if you listening have somebody that you think would be a great guest, we'd love to hear from you. So you can find us at mikeandkristen.ca online and reach out with that recommendation that happens from time to time and we always enjoy it so let's talk about mike any news shows that type of thing coming up on your end that you want folks to know about yeah uh well i'm playing an acoustic show in dartmouth on the waterfront uh this saturday coming up Mm -hmm. that's on the uh 22nd uh yeah just uh town heroes thing we're just you know, playing playing tunes in the waterfront in the afternoon. And that's free. That's free, yeah. yeah. The next day, we have the Moonshine Imaginarium. It's a very exciting show. Yeah. So the Moonshine Imaginarium is this multifaceted arts festival of sorts that we are participating in at Hubbard's Beach. In, if you're familiar with the Shore Club, it's near that property. 
but the Moonshine TV show that you may have seen on CBC, they left their set behind, in particular the Moonshine Lodge, and it's right on the water, and we're going to be occupying that space with got food vendors, vintage clothing, art, I'll be live painting, Mike will be singing. So this is happening July 23rd on the Sunday from 12 to 5 p.m. And then yeah. we're going to do it all over again for five days in a row in August. Yeah, yeah it's come out if you're around. It's because it's going to be super cool. Just a lot of things happening. Music, painting, a market, uh, a card reader, uh, clothes, yoga, beer, oysters, ice cream. Have yes. one of everything. It's multi-sensory. We're considering this Sunday a bit of a dress rehearsal. And then August 23rd to 27th, which is the sold out Matt Mays week at the Shore Club. We'll be there all five days in a row, 12 to 5 every day. And we just want to hang out, have fun, create some magic and art together. It seems like the perfect place to do that. Moonshine Imaginarium. Yeah. We're excited to see you. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a link in the bio or in our description to that. So you can come out, folks. It is going to be really cool. And uh, we've been planning it for a while with some other folks. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week. And uh, we'll see you Sunday. See you, buds. Cheers.